We interrupt this broadcast to talk about an important movement in the history of the United States. Marianne from Gilligan's Island passed away. Also, a large group of soap-averse Nazi sympathizers seemingly led by a shirtless goat man stormed the U.S. Capitol and briefly overtook the halls of Congress. Welcome back, unfuckers. Here's the thing. What we saw wasn't a coup. It was sort of an insurrection, but more of like a sad, slow-moving shitshow of weekend warriors who stormed the castle as their general quietly slinked away to watch it all unfold on TV. Anyway, Unfucking the Republic isn't a breaking news podcast, as you know, but there's one aspect of this pathetic affair that I felt could use some helpful context. With this pathetic display fresh in our minds, but a bit like a fever dream, it's a good time to discuss just how destructive the Trump years have been. It's also a good time to exhale and grasp how Trump missed his chance to fully realize his authoritarian dream. Come with me, unfuckers, as we demonstrate how Donald J. Trump was quite possibly the worst would-be dictator the world has ever seen, and how we were ironically saved by the thing he cherishes most. We'll also work through some key definitions and try to define the Trump era, walk back some of the gross hyperbole being spewed on both the left and the right, and examine the conditions required for the complete collapse of our democracy. Fair warning, for those who love extravagant conspiracies, you might be disappointed in my rather mundane conclusion. Oh, my friends, we are fucked. Deliciously, unreservedly, catastrophically fucked. And not the good kind. We'll traverse this audio journey together to upend conventional wisdom, blow up narratives on the left, right, and middle, and use magical devices like facts, logic, and reason to explain how exactly we arrived in bizarro America, the funhouse mirror version of what was originally intended. The best thing Donald J. Trump did was what he didn't do. Never has a demagogue ridden a populist wave to power and blown it in such spectacular fashion. Oh, the things he could have done if only he was smart. Oh, I'm a failure because I haven't got a brain. Got a brain. What was it that Donald missed? Well, he missed the opportunity to start the Third Great War and cement his name in the history books for eternity, even if he brought eternity to our doorstep. The stage was set, beginning in 2016 for horrifying results if Trump was more capable at being a dictator. Ironically, his narcissism and ahistorical ethnocentric perspective likely kept us from plunging into global war. A smarter, more capable autocrat could have used the levers of power available to him to stoke the flames of war abroad and claim unprecedented powers domestically and truly alter the course of the republic. Instead, his obsessive focus on parochial rallies, two-bit hustles, and a general lack of knowledge of world affairs kept him quite contained. Monday morning quarterback pundits are already prone to expressing pride at how our institutions stood up to Trump when we needed them most. That's true to the extent that our systems worked pretty much in the same way they did when they allowed him to be elected in the first place. Perfectly imperfect. Our voting system held up, taxes were levied and paid, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security survived, we kept bombing countries with brown people, and the courts did their jobs when the election was tested. Aided, of course, by Trump hiring a lecherous, hair-dye-oozing, conspiracy-guzzling fool to represent him in court. So sure, our systems of government remained largely intact. 
What Professor Orange von Fucknugget missed was the opportunity to falsely architect a foreign dispute and leverage his disinformation channels to sell it to his gullible followers and an impotent press that has been one step behind him for four straight fucking years. I mean, that's textbook shit right there. Remember the Maine, the Gulf of Tonkin, weapons of mass destruction. Come on, bruh. What a complete lack of imagination. The playbook is well-worn and extremely successful, and yet this fucking Nimrod didn't have the political acumen to concoct a tale of imminent danger that would have galvanized much of his misinformed supporters and probably a willing Congress. Fortunately for us, he was entirely too stupid and uneducated to have a plan or a manifesto to grab power and leverage the strength of our military. Especially during a pandemic when newsrooms already deflated and marginalized would have found it difficult to dispatch reporters abroad. And considering few Americans even believe credible outlets, the disinformation campaigns this administration could have swamped us with, most certainly with help from Russia and China, would have been unparalleled. If Trump's desire was world domination, he could have had it. And there would have been very little we could do to stop him. What are we going to do tomorrow night? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Take over the world. So that's the good news. He missed his chance. He missed his shot. The world can breathe a sigh of relief that Golden Toilet Boy won't be able to nuke some unsuspecting country. But the danger he left behind was a blueprint for an equally destructive but far more capable autocrat to abuse the powers of the office. That's not to say we didn't do terrible things during the Trump administration. In fact, we doubled down on most of our efforts abroad and continued to murder citizens in several countries and support proxy wars like Yemen. It's just that he didn't really know what was going on. So our military apparatus was able to pursue a course of neoliberalism as usual, largely under the radar of a domestic press that was exhausted by Twitter storms and domestic distractions. He ignored briefings, had no idea to this day the names of several world leaders, he spent less time traveling to foreign nations than his predecessors and usually wound up fighting with our allies on the way out or hitting on their wives. If he, heaven forbid, had to stay longer than a day in any destination, he tried to stay at one of his own places. That was our guy. That was our Donald. So while the head Cheeto in charge was asleep at the switch, the military apparatus amplified efforts to destabilize parts of Northern Africa and the Middle East through drone strikes and sanctions. We increased the number of troops deployed around the world and even carried out or supported assassinations with impunity. The assassination of Iranian General Soleimani might have been one of the most precarious of his actions. This completely illegal murder might still have ramifications that are yet unknown. But Iran, clearly understanding they were dealing with an unhinged madman, exercised restraint for the time being. Now that he's gone, and please, for the love of shit, actually be gone, Let's talk about the danger that lurks in the darkness. And the band played on. And the band played Eve of Destruction. Tax deductions. Inspectors of collectors. Solid gold in demand. Population of hands. Suicide. To Everyone moving to the hills. People all over the world are dying in the war. And the band played on. As we covered in our episode titled The Violent States of America, since Vietnam, Congress has been incapable of reigning in U.S. interventionalist tendencies when desired by the so-called commander-in-chief. And the executive branch has steadily accumulated a tremendous amount of power over the past half century when it comes to foreign affairs and interventions. 
But wresting power away from Congress, the courts, and the states is a different matter. And that's where we need to agree on some definitions before we continue. Trump was often accused of being a fascist, a dictator, an authoritarian, a totalitarian, a moron. A lot of people saying a lot of things that aren't really all that fantastic. So let's be clear on what he was. First, as famed sociologist Juan Lintz described, totalitarianism is when a leader exerts control over the mechanisms of government. Whereas authoritarianism is when a leader exerts control over a nation's politics. A dictator has centralized powers of authority and ultimate decision-making ability, typically ascertained by force, and a fascist regime is one that forcibly suppresses these mechanisms, cracks down on civil liberties, controls the press, and seizes all economic levers of power. So let's level set and be clear in our definition. Trump was a democratically elected, self-styled authoritarian president with fascist tendencies. At no point was the nation in danger of Trump consolidating domestic powers, dissolving institutions and programs, eradicating the courts, closing the Federal Reserve, shutting down news organizations, and so on. As we've seen, demagoguery isn't enough to usher in a fascist regime. Yes, he had fascist tendencies, but as we established, he was too stupid to utilize them to the fullest extent. The other part of the equation is just as important the circumstances under which someone like Trump comes to power. So much has been written about why America fell under the spell of such a fucking no-talent loser who stood for exactly everything his supporters really do not. We talked about this in our very first episode of Unfucking the Republic. In the end, I actually think it's fairly simple. The brilliance of the first Trump campaign was that he tore up convention and really gave the impression that he stood for the working class. A great example of this was an address he gave to the auto workers in Detroit. In front of the union members, he lambasted management for selling them out and sending their jobs to Mexico. That was it. No other details or context was needed. Trump was willing to, quote, stick it to the man, even if he made a career out of fucking over the working class. It helped that he was running against an establishment candidate who had worn out her welcome long ago while her party fucked over the only other guy who was actually standing up for the working person. No conspiracy nonsense or hand-wringing over Trump's stance on immigrants, her fucking emails, or Russian collusion mattered. Working people saw a dude belittle management and call out Washington. And that was enough. How the nation moves forward in a post-Trump environment is critical. Groups like the Lincoln Project projected a facade of normalcy that lined up extremely well with the conventions of the establishment Democrats to build enough momentum to overcome Trumpism. For now. But even with a victory in Georgia to deliver the Biden administration room to maneuver policy and reestablish some of the hallmarks of the Obama years, it's difficult to see how this all plays out. While we're rebuilding, we would be wise to keep an eye on the individual states, where the more insidious actions of the Republican Party have been consolidating power through gerrymandering and locking up state legislatures with the goal of controlling the ability to amend the Constitution outside of congressional powers. Think about that. Always look to the areas that aren't being watched to see where the seeds of revolution are truly being sown. As much as the center of this country might feel like the worst is behind us, the need for vigilance has perhaps never been higher. Which brings us back to the circumstances that truly give rise to authoritarianism that can lead to the collapse of our democracy and usher in a true fascist regime, something inconceivable even after the spectacle at the U.S. Capitol. Inconceivable! You keep using the word. 
I don't think it means what you think it means. Though we can look throughout all of history, the best comparisons come from the post-industrial global landscape. I'm zeroing in on this more recent history because the world looked very different prior to World War I. We'll save World War I for another episode because it remains one of the most important and relevant historical periods in human history. But it was the aftermath that set the world on a collision course to fascism and ultimately delivered us Donald Trump. The aftermath was hyper-nationalism. This was a phenomenon that few of the great social and economic theorists ever anticipated. The Allied powers blithely carved up the world into nation-states that ignored cultural and ethnic histories and ascribed the most punitive reparations possible to the defeated powers, stripping them of their national dignity. And the unprecedented cost of the Great War created a perfect storm of economic malaise that shattered entire nations and gave rise to dictators who rose to power on a wave of nationalism and a promise of economic and military salvation. Now that we've established that our nation can be easily manipulated by demagoguery and throngs of devoted followers can be duped into mass violence, what are the circumstances on the ground that could lead to fascism in the U.S.? Where an authoritarian could silence the free press, disband our political institutions, and under self-appointed emergency powers take control of the military. Because that's a fucking coup, am I right? Well, first it would take massive inequality. A handful of people would have to pull preposterously away from the rest of the population and consolidate the vast majority of wealth in the nation. Our currency would have to rapidly lose value. We would have to experience double-digit unemployment and either eradicate benefits or not adjust them to account for the currency devaluation. A large percentage of the population would have to be completely and willfully duped by large-scale coordinated disinformation campaigns that blame immigrants and ethnic minority groups for their poor economic conditions and perceived loss of freedoms. The same swath of the population would also have to possess a fervent, almost pathological hyper-nationalist belief system that places false idols, fake spirituality, and patriotic symbols above their faith in our democracy. A system of propaganda would have to be designed and in the hands of only a few private players that can be coerced and manipulated into compliance with authority. And lastly, our liberal institutions designed as a bulwark against totalitarianism and misinformation. Higher education, Congress, courts, free press, religious institutions, and broad community of artists would all have to be maligned, defunded, and neutered, or fully bought and paid for by a moneyed class all too willing to go along with whichever leader allows them the ability to maintain their status. So, this isn't hyperbole, right? These are literally the seeds of instability that can and have brought about fascism. Let's do a quick review to see if you can spot the one and only condition missing at this point in history. Massive inequality, a collapse in currency, double-digit unemployment, rampant disinformation, hyper-nationalism, a coordinated system of mass propaganda in private hands, and weak liberal institutions that have lost credibility. The thesis I'm proffering to you, dear unfuckers, is that the only condition that currently does not exist is a collapse of our currency. In an ironic twist, the almighty dollar is the one thing that stands between our fragile democracy and the table being fully set for empire-ending collapse. So while we have a great deal of work ahead, the most important thing for the Biden administration to get right is to maintain a stable currency while it works to establish a balance in all other areas. I believe in so many ways that the enemy of democracy remains the same in the United States, and that is neoliberalism. These forces are cold, 
calculating and in control of the levers of power, and they will not go quietly into the night. They tested our willingness to indiscriminately ravage other nations under false pretenses that brought us into the most protracted wars in U.S. history. Now they have a playbook for true authoritarianism through social media disinformation and don't think for a second that they aren't awed by the awesome potential that exists in the dark corners of the internet. These next couple of years are critical. We have to get it right to reestablish the equilibrium in our democracy and our economy so we can set our sights on the most important tasks of our lifetime. Social and economic justice, peace, and literally saving the planet. Here endeth the lesson.